it's a great day for some coffee and a chat in the greenhouse. So grab your cup and I'll see you there. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Coffee Chat in the Greenhouse. Um, it's a beautiful day on Willowbrook Farm. It's actually kind of windy today. Um, my week is going well. I'm actually having a matcha today, so I'm not really sipping on coffee in the greenhouse, but I went for a matcha and I did a mix of that of our Bahama Mama that we have. So it's got cherry, coconut, and vanilla, and it is super yummy. It's so good. Um, so that's what I'm sipping on, and what our discussion for today is going to be all about longing for love. So if you have not found the one that your soul has been desiring, this episode is for you. And if you're in a relationship with someone that is not aligning to God's will for your life, this episode is also for you. If you have been married and you're happily married, you still might want to pay attention. I don't know, because ultimately we all need to fall in love with God and align our heart's desires with His. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I know a lot of y'all relate to my book later on as far as how it goes with motherhood and longing for motherhood. And if you've been through miscarriage and those desires of our heart and how God works through those. But the beginning of my book relates to a little bit of everyone. I feel like with, you know, no matter who you are, you can do God's work. And then also that's where the longing desire starts and begins in our life is when you can think about the earliest longing or what you've prayed for. And for me, that really was looking for love. When I was a child, I always wanted to be a mom and a wife. I was grew up a pastor's daughter and we were always taught very specifically to pray for the one that you are going to marry. You need to pray for him. You need to anoint him with prayer um, because he's already been born, right? You can't just start praying for the one you want to marry right before you meet them because he's as old as you are. So you need to cover him or her in prayer for years and years prior. So I remember uh, my dad just being very adamant about that and then preaching on that even. And around 12 is when I actually started praying for the one God wanted me to be with. And so I took that very seriously. And I remember just laying in bed at night and just asking God, like, wherever my husband is, will you please just bless him and anoint him? Because ultimately, if he's being blessed, that meant that one day I was going to be blessed. So you could call that selfish prayers or whatever you want. But to me, I was investing in my future by praying for my future spouse. So I remember even going later in life, I got to the age of like 14. I was sitting in a youth camp. I don't know if y'all remember doing those ever. Um, I know things are done like kind of different, but for us, our church always went to a youth camp every summer. It was the highlight of my life. I was homeschooled. I always looked forward to that of just being around people every single day. You know, you'd have preaching in the mornings and preaching at night. And then like breakout sessions and things like that. And I just loved it. And this um, particular youth camp, they were talking about purity. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about when I say messages on purity. I remember sitting under lots and lots of purity messages whenever I was younger. This one, though, I'll never forget it because it was saying 
to pray specifically for the one that God would have you to marry. He was even stating that if you pray so specifically, like, don't discount the possibilities of God. Do not, like, undermine God's potential, the things that He can do in the prayers and the ways that He can answer those prayers. And He was explaining to us that you can write down the specific prayers of the man that you want. And I remember just sitting there almost like mesmerized of like, what is he talking about? So he began to speak and was like, write down a list and keep this list and pray over this list for the exact husband that you want. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, where can I get a pen? Where can I get a piece of paper? I need to start writing this stuff down because this is amazing. And so in present day time, that would basically be like telling your 14 year old daughter or a 14 year old girl, um, you just type in what you want in the search bar of Amazon and he'll be here two day prime delivery. And you're like, uh, yes, please. Can I get a pen and a piece of paper? Go ahead and pass that to me right now. And so I remember just writing that down so clearly and I am very OCD. So for me, this was like, oh yes, I can do this. I started writing it down. Of course, the very first line was tall, dark, and handsome. He needs to have dark hair, tan skin, and I want him to be tall. I'm five foot two, so I don't even know why that's always mattered to me, but I always wanted my husband to be tall, I guess. So in futuristic thinking that my kids would benefit from that and not have all the um, short problems that I do. I just wrote down everything. I wrote down details of what he would be wearing, the shoes he would wear, and all the things. For me, I was already cutting hair at that point. I had done my first haircut whenever I was 12 years old. And so my mom was very trusting of me and some of my friends. So I could not have my man have uncle hair. Okay. I could not have his clothes be uncool either because at that point I still wanted to be a fashion designer. So I just wrote all that down, all every single detail, even if he would be sporty or athletic and folded it up really tight, finished it with like bubble letters and squiggly handwriting. You remember those things. Everything you write has to be pretty and put it in my Bible because I remember when I was younger, I would always think that if I stuck it in my Bible, God was going to like see that. Like it was a mailbox straight to the heart of Jesus. And he would just look over that and anoint that list. And it was as good as sealed. I clung to that and I prayed over that list. And I took that message very literally. I would say probably within that year, my sight changed from looking to God for the details of that list to looking around me. So I never forgot it and it was on my mind often and I knew every detail on there. So I started looking around and thinking, oh, there is a tall, dark and handsome guy who like raised his hand in a service like he must be after the heart of the Lord like that. That might be the one. And so if anyone ever looked my way or flirted and had any of those qualities, I thought, okay, Lord, this might be the one. I don't want to miss out on that. So what I did there in messing up on something that you would think, oh, that's such a great idea. And it, and it was like I have actually told this story over and over and even to like teens as far as like, don't settle, do not settle, do not allow your heart to be broken. But where I messed up in doing this in the longing for love was that I longed for love more than I longed for the Lord. And I didn't realize this until after my heart had been broken many, many times, actually. But I had found myself in 
relationships to where the on the outer appearance, which was the majority of the things that were on my list, everything aligned with what God would be delivering to me. And so when I would pray, I'd be like, I just don't understand. Everything looks right. Everything looks right. But what was the heart of the matter? So where I was missing is I didn't write on that list. I want him to have these godly qualities. I didn't put that he would have a relationship with the Lord and it would be the one that God ultimately wanted for me. I just took this sermon as, hey, put your order in for exactly what you want and it will be given to you. And so in those four years, because I was 14 at the time and I ended up being 18 when I actually met my husband, I remember several relationships that my heart ended up shattered in those because I fully believed with doubt, but fully believed that they were possibly the one that God had given me, but I never had a confirmation from the Lord. And I could have saved myself so much heartache if I would have took that sermon and he probably even paid attention because I'm sure the pastor had given more details as to when we align our heart to the heart of God, ultimately our desires and prayers are answered and fulfilled because our heart is patterned after him. So if we're longing after the Lord, the way that he longs for us, how can we not be fulfilled? It took several years for me to figure that out. And I just kept clinging to all the things that I wanted instead of placing my heart after him. And I remember when I had a horrible breakup, I remember just praying that to the Lord and ultimately surrendering everything to him. And just like, I don't even want to be in a relationship. I don't even want to have a tall, dark, and handsome man anymore. I just want to be who God wants me to be. And I had like set that out and determined that in my life. And I remember just like praying that so specifically. And shortly after I had gotten my own house. I was so determined. I was just like, I, it's just me and the Lord. This is my journey. And I'm just fully going to focus on him and sell out to him. And I was painting actually, like just making this place my own. It was my first place that was just all mine. And I was working doing hair at the time. And for me, I had a TV on crates. I had a cooler for a fridge. I was looking for a college fridge because I mean, I lived on cereal, milk and cereal at the time, and occasional Chick-fil-A. So I really didn't need a full refrigerator. I didn't have cable. And I remember I watched four movies over and over, which for me was completely fine. So um, on this particular night, I was l just like praying and painting the walls and just fully sold out and like nothing's going to distract me. And I guess then it was like a next tale. And so it was like a little beep beep on my phone. I looked down and it was a friend of mine. He was just like, hey girl, do you want to go ride on my motorcycle one day? And I was like, um, I don't think so. And so that conversation was a little funny. It was a couple days later when I was actually painting my walls that he actually showed up at my door in my book, I word on a motorcycle, no less, <laughs> because he actually had a motorcycle at the time. You know, for me, I was super confused because I'm just like, I've literally given my life to the Lord. I don't know if I should be going on this motorcycle ride because I'm not looking for a relationship right now. However, we had been like chatting on the phone and we ended up going off on this um, ride. And I remember just like how he smelled when we rode off and just thinking like I could not wipe the smile off my face. And I just thought I am like, I, I like this guy a lot. So 
we had kind of chatted over the next couple of weeks and I remember just feeling like, okay, I'm just like head over heels for this guy. And he had bought me a new refrigerator. That was the purpose of the cooler story. He had bought me a new refrigerator and stocked it and all the foods and all the things. And I just was so grateful to him and confused also because I'd never had someone be so kind to me. So I remember we were coming home. Everything had been going like so perfectly. I had this thought in my head of like, this is the nicest guy I've ever met in my life and something's got to be wrong with him. So we were driving home and I just blurted out, I can't do this. And he looked at me and was like, do what? And I was like, this, everything. I just cannot do this. It was in that moment where he pulled into the driveway and he was like, um, okay, what, what have I done? And I was like, nothing. I just, I wasn't looking for a relationship and I just don't know if I want a relationship and this has all moved like too fast. And uh, a couple of weeks later, and now we already feel like we're in love and I just can't do this. And I was really fearful of getting her again. And so in that conversation, he just looked at me and he was like, okay, if that's what you want, I ultimately want you to be happy. So whatever that is to make you happy, I already know how I feel about you. But if happiness is going to be with you with someone else or alone or whatever, if that's not me in the picture, however I can make you happy, that's what I want. And I remember him talking in that conversation and I was just like, what? Like that is the the moment that I fell in love with him because I had never had anyone be like, I just want you to be happy. It had always been about their happiness and um, the things that they needed in their life and being cheated on and all those things. But I had never had someone be like, okay, yes, if that's what makes you happy, then that makes me happy, whether it's us together or us not. But I remember saying, stop, just stop, just stop talking. I take it all back. I was, I did not want to lose him in that moment. I was like, I never, ever want to go a day without you. Like, I just cannot live this life without you. And so it was in that conversation that I realized, hey, he's not too good to be true. And actually this is the plan of God. It was just all the thoughts in my mind. And um, ultimately that was like the turning point for, for our relationship. So my purpose in sharing this story with you is that you can see that in my mind, whenever I was 14 years old and I wrote down that list, I thought two days later I would find my husband. And when I didn't, it's almost like I began grasping for the man that I had prayed for and just kind of finding the idea of him in other people who were clearly not the one I was supposed to be be with. I remember having lots of conversations with my dad about like who the guy was going to be and what he might look like. And um, growing up, my dad always had like nice hands. Like my dad always knew how to um, change my oil, build anything. If my mom wanted something, my dad could build it. He could do anything. He was a pastor, but he always had like manly hands, like bigger fingers. Like it's just hard to, it's awkward and kind of hard to explain, but I just remember as a younger, I'm sure you can think of things with your dad and be like, I just want to marry a man like my dad. You know, a lot of daddy's girls have those thoughts and For me, it was a lot of different qualities that my dad had and specifically were manly hands. I had um, gone out with a a guy before, and this is weird to even talk about, but I remember I I didn't even honestly go out with him. He liked me and I 
noticed that he had these scrawny little hands and I'm just like, okay, this could never be a thing because those hands don't even look like they could come close to fixing my car or building me something or anything like that. And if this conversation even sounds so weird at the moment, but that was the thought in my mind of like, okay, the answer is no. If you sent me a letter that said check yes or no, if you like me, it would definitely be a check no. And sorry, dude, your hands are like little girl hands. Can't, can't go there. So anyways, this is a conversation that me and my dad had as I grew up and I would date someone or see someone or someone had shown interest or whatever. And my dad would always be like, okay, well, let me ask you one question. And I'd be like, okay. And he'd be like, does he have manly hands, hunky hands? Cause that's what I always referred to him when I was younger is you have hunky hands. And we would just die laughing and I'd be like, yes or no or whatever. And then he'd be like, okay, well, if he didn't, he'd be like, it's not the one. No, you can't go on a date. And so we would just kind of like laugh. And that was one of those jokes. And I remember telling my dad even about Brenton and him asking me, does he have hunky hands? And my response was, yes, he does. He has hunky hands and he definitely is a manly man who could fix my car or build something. And y'all all see the results of that today as I sit in this greenhouse and look at what he's built our house and everything around me, it's definitely a result of his hunky hands. <laughs> and so that's also another detour. But I share those things to be like, you know what? God did pay attention to that list, but he wanted my heart to pattern after his. And when I got to that place in my life that I wasn't just looking around, but I was standing looking up at God, just like, God, fill me with your presence. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to follow after you and you alone. And I didn't realize that so quickly after that, he would send Brent in my way, which is almost why I was confused and blindsided because I thought I had prayed that prayer at 14, but I immediately just continued to look around. I was holding my list tightly in my Bible and, and would be like, yeah, here he is, here he is. But I wasn't looking at God, like, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. Like you be the one. And like the Bible tells us, um, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love onto those who love him and obey his commandments. And before that, that is Deuteronomy 7, 9. And before that, well, that's comes before in the Bible, but in my book, I have Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And that's in Matthew 22. You know, it's just funny. I put those scriptures in my book because, you know, God is telling us the first and greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart. And then in Deuteronomy, he says his unfailing love unto those who love him and obey Obey his commands. So he commands us to love him. But then in Deuteronomy, he says, the Lord, your God, he is faithful. He keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. So forever and ever. And he lavishes his unfailing love onto those who love him and keep his commandments and his commandment. The most important one is to love him. And so if we love God, he ultimately is lavishing on us. I mean, that is just like, don't you want to be lavished on? Don't you want someone to lavish over you? Like just that deep, unfailing love. Um, it's just huge. It's blew my mind when I read those things of just to be like, wow, 
I should have listened to that part of the message because I'm sure that he did put in detail, not just, hey, write this down, mail it to the Lord and he'll mail you back a perfect husband. I'm sure he said, pattern your heart and pattern your life and fall in love deeply with God. And ultimately your life's desires are patterned after him and your heart's desire will be fulfilled. That's so important. I just don't want people to miss that if you're younger in any way, shape or form. However, whatever age you are, I feel like this generation, the definition of love has completely got misinterpreted. And I'm super like passionate about this subject. I don't know if I'll write another book about this one day. Um, but I feel like we have met, me and my husband have met so many people over the years. We have gotten a lot of response of like, wow, y'all's relationship is not like this. Um, you don't do this to each other, like those type things. And I just remember always being like blown away to be like, no, why would you be mean to your husband like that? Or why would you be mean to your wife like that? Or why do you put up with that? Or this and that. And we've talked to a lot of couples and even lost friends, I feel like over the years with just you know, they have like a toxic relationship and that comparison game when they come around you and you don't have that, it magnifies the flaws in their own lives, if that makes sense. And we've dealt with that over, we've been married for 16 years. We got married like super young, just like seeing those things in people's life. And then now even seeing like younger people, um, having relationships that are not committed and are not with a single person, but with multiple people over and over, and then just trying to find the one, it just really blows my mind because if we would just stop giving all the pieces of our hearts to everyone we meet, like a one night stand or this or that or the other, um, you're just handing out pieces of your heart, but you're wondering why you don't feel whole. If you would just hand your heart, your entire heart to the Lord to handle and focus on him, don't you think that he can give you the desires of your heart because he's holding it? He's holding your entire heart and he knows what you want. He knows what you need. And instead, we're just kind of sitting there with like little shreds of our heart and, you know, someone gorgeous or someone hot walks by and you're just like, hey, here's a piece of my heart. Do you want to make me feel good for this moment? And then they, t sure, yeah, you're handing it out. Absolutely. They take the piece of your heart and use it and then they don't give it back. They just kind of take it with them. And you're just sitting there feeling so exposed and so used and taken advantage of. And then you ultimately need to feel fulfilled. So instead of doing the process again and sell, giving your whole heart back to God, instead you're handing there with another piece of it and you're just handing it to the next person that comes by and gives you attention. And then you're hoping that in that moment when you give yourself away, that you feel fulfilled and that they'll stick around. But ultimately they're not because you're handing them what they want. So why are they going to wait? Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. It's hard to explain, but it's almost like if you're just sitting there with a handful of things and you're handing out what they're asking for, why would they ever come back for more or wait? Because they already have you. They already are taking that piece of you with them. And then you're feeling exposed and broken and used. And I feel like it is so important to wait for the right one. I really do. And it's just fa it's just a concept that is fading away. I mean, even in grown-up situations, I feel like it's just fading away. It's just that, no, I just 
just want all of you right now. I just can't wait type of thing. I don't even want to wait or try to figure that out. I'm just going to try it out, see if it feels good. And then when it does, well, it's good for now, but then there's no commitment and there's no lasting relationship. And if in turn you would have fallen in love with God from the very beginning, he will match you. He will place that one in your life. And I wrote this little saying in my book and I say, by loving God and having complete faith that he will fill the longings of our heart in the way that he has planned, our plans and our longings become aligned with his. Meaning that no matter what it is that you want in your life, if you take it all to God, every single detail of it, if you take it to God, we become aligned with what he is wanting. And then through him, we will be satisfied. And that goes with love, that goes with motherhood, that goes with anything you can think about that you so desire in your life. If you take it to God and ultimately give it to him, like when in when I was younger, everything would be like, bring it to the altar and leave it here. Do not bring it to the altar and pick it back up. Because it's so easy to just pray to God and be like, please God, do this, do this, do this for my life. And then I'm giving it to you. And then it's almost like you just scoop it up really fast and stick it in your pocket and turn around and you're carrying that same burden. But ultimately, if we give it to God and we leave it with him and we just pattern our life after him, we pray that we will fall in love with him the way we so deeply want to fall in love with everything else in this world. Our life will become like his and our desires will be fulfilled. I've been through moments like this in my life when I've just so clung on to the things that I've wanted in the instance of wanting a husband at 14 and that not being the desire of God's heart. I remember many, many, many tears. Just I mean, I remember breaking. I remember getting calls from people. Hey, I saw such and such. He was with another girl. He was cheating on you. And I remember just so broken and sobbing. And and I don't like talking about those conversations because I don't ever want to hurt my husband and even bring up things like that because I adore him and love him so much. And I'm so blessed to have him in my life. But I think that it is important to not just look at someone's situation and think that they never encountered issues or pain or hurt like you are today. And I've been there. I've also been there where you are and it is important to wait and pattern after God because he can ultimately give you those desires so today as a sum up with this chapter on love I had found this quote that Dr. Seuss had said and I just thought you know what it is just so fitting and it says you know you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams and have you ever felt like that have you ever felt like that in love or just a life instance where you've like written down longings of your heart or you've written down um, goals and dreams that you have and it finally happens and you just lay there in bed and you're just like, I can't fall asleep because it was just such a good day. And, you know, if you fall asleep, it can't be better than what you just experienced. And I truly felt like that in Finding Britain, but I also truly felt like that in falling in love with the Lord. And so many times in instances in my life when I've went through struggles and I avoid God and I avoid spending time with him and I avoid giving him my true prayers, I continually feel defeated and I cannot figure out why. But when I just give it all to him in like a long car ride, just like singing to him or worshiping, I raise my hands all the time in the car. And when I just worship to him and just give it to him and say, God, just just take it away. Just take rain over my life. Just handle it. Handle it. And I want my life to be with you. I want my life to be patterned after you and be who you want me to be. Do you know the fulfillment I feel in those moments? 
I mean, just ultimately fulfilled, just complete overflowing of the Spirit of the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever submitted your life and given it to God in, in that sort of way, but that cup runneth over feeling of just like, I've got to spread this gospel. I have been there numerous times. I mean, I've also been broken, but I've been there numerous times. And it comes with deciding I'm giving this to the Lord. And a lot of things that we go through in life is mind over matter as far as you just have to tell yourself. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always feel good to submit to Him and give our life and our worries to Him. But when you do, I promise your longing, feeling, that void in your life will begin to feel a little bit fuller. And it'll begin to feel a little bit more obtained. And the desires of your heart become with His. Um, so friends, that's what I want you to think about today. Even if you have love in your life, how can you improve that? How can you incorporate God in your life to where um, your relationship with your spouse is a little bit more fulfilled because you're patterning all those things, the underwear on the floor, the socks on the floor, the um, trash that's running over, those type things. When you give that to the Lord and you pray and take it to Him, and you have those conversations with your spouse because I believe that communication is um, really important as well. But when you give those things to Him, do you feel a little fuller? Do you feel a little bit more fulfilled than, um, than you did before when you're just sitting there letting those thoughts spiral in your head? So I want you to think about that today. Can we truly fall in love with God? And by following in love, falling in love with God, peace is definitely more attainable. You can definitely get through those circumstances with the Lord giving you a peace within and your heart just feels a little bit more full. Your cup runs over and you can go about those everyday duties that you feel like no one even notices with a smile on your face because the joy of the Lord is in your spirit. So I hope you reflect on those things today. That is all I have for you on this episode and I hope to see you next time in the greenhouse.